Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Hey, Billy, why don't we tell them what we're about, man? So we're here to welcome you to the Madhouse Chronicles. It's a talk show with myself, Billy Morrison. And me, as yours, This man, Prince of Darkness, and we watch and react to the maddest internet clips. What do we discuss, Ozzy? Drugs, rock and roll, aliens, all that kind of shit. Drugs, rock and roll, aliens, and all that kinds of shit. Come and join Ozzy and myself. Visit OsborneMediaHouse.com to get special access to... Come to, on! What do you say? Do you think it's the wildest show on the internet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to this week's new episode of Zach on Film. It's just me and Steven Schleicher this week. Hey, what's going on, Zach? Oh, you know, just living the dream, Steven. Living the dream. Well, that's good. Yeah, man. Uh... So we watched uh, an interesting movie this week. Yeah, what'd you think of uh, Shaft? Well, Shaft... Um... Is what like a 1971 1971 film? It kind of was the second and the biggest of the black exploitation films, right? Right. right. Which um, is a term I had heard before, Mm -hmm. but was never quite sure what it actually. So did you look it up and and do some research? I read a little bit on it. So what can you tell me about it? Um, It's kind of like an exploitation film, but it's with black people. Yeah, but I mean, so what are they? What are they exploiting? I mean, what's the point of? Of what are they trying to do in these kind of movies? I, I couldn't quite figure that out from my my reading on the Wikipedia. I just okay. read a lot about what the films were, kind of the criticisms of the genre mm-hmm. from different groups like the NAACP and like yeah. So like so that. so when we talk about exploitation films, yeah, we're talking about films that are trying to make a buck off of a certain culture or class oh, okay. or group of people, okay. right? So when we talk about black exploitation, we're talking about black exploitation films, mm. movies that are um, in mainly designed to attract the black urban audience member okay. and a white um, uh, tangential audience okay. as well. But mainly it's targeting black. Okay. Um, um, Can you give me an example of... Uh, uh, <laughs> great. <laughs> of, of a... Exploitation film? Uh, Have we watched anything like that? No, because we don't. We haven't watched a lot of uh, B movies. Oh, in, in this. is that like? But, a, is that a? Is that a point of the exploitation films? They're, they're usually kind of, done. They're usually done very cheaply, okay. right? And they're usually done again to cash in on a um, a particular theme or topic or whatever. So, Night of the Living Dead, for example, oh. is an exploit is an exploitation film. Okay, uh, that would fall into this category. I mean, when we talk about exploitation films. We have biker films, cannibal films, um, um, the 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 shock, uh, gore porn mm-hmm. type films, um, you know, revenge films. Okay, so it's pretty much just any super spaghetti, targeted. Oh, so you know what? Spaghetti film. westerns, yeah, uh, fall into the genre of an exploitation film. Okay, yeah. Okay, so like, would. Uh, a, a Christian movie, yes, uh-huh. be an exploitation that would be, that would be film. an exploitation film. Would, so, anytime you watch your um, uh, Kirk Cameron movies, yeah, those would fall okay. into that as well. Especially when he does his stuff. That's the um, 
you know, the apocalypse, everybody. Yeah, lifts up. the Left Behind yeah, stuff. Yeah, the Left Behind series uh-huh. stuff. Those would totally be exploitation films. Would Tyler Perry's movies be black exploitation? No. Well, that's a good question because I'll admit that I have not watched any of Tyler Perry's Medea films. Okay, I have. Um, but they, you know, um, they the thing with black exploitation, they usually are following in unfortunately playing on stereotypes. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're supposed to be trying to uh, initially, especially when you look at a movie like Shaft and we'll have to look at a little bit at the um, idea that, you know, Shaft in the book or as he was originally written was not a black man in mm. the books. He was a white guy. And then um, uh, Parks, who was the director on this uh, cast, cast um, um, what's his name? Uh, Country. To, yeah. Uh, to be, um, yeah. Richard Roundtree to oh, be, Roundtree. yeah, to be, uh, to be Shaft in this. But mm-hmm. so, Initially, they were supposed to create a central black hero mm-hmm. that people could look up to. Okay. Um, and these were normal normally in the original three or four black exploitation films when they first came out, were showing the urban black hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, then there were some that spun off that. So you had Southern black exploitation films, which looked at race and slavery. Uh-huh. Uh, the ones in the um, uh, urban areas would look at. Um, uh, race relations and corruption in the police force, uh, those kinds of things. But they were also supposed to show a strong ba- black man, masculine, secure with himself, mm-hmm. not afraid of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, someone who in in the way that they portray Shaft in this movie, someone with a lot of class, someone who was just really put together and very sure of himself. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, because a lot of these films, even though they may have had black directors, even though they may have had a lot of black uh, actors and actresses in them, still were being controlled by Hollywood, right. which was predominantly white mm-hmm. and still is predominantly white. Yeah. right? And so what ends up happening is, and this is the problem that you'd mentioned with the NAACP, is with the success of Shaft, right? You have a studio here that's like banking a lot of actually putting up a lot of money and saying, hey, we need to get this movie out and it hopefully it will make a lot of yeah, money. Yeah. And so mean, what happens is Shaft comes out and it's a huge success. Mm-hmm. And suddenly the studios are like, Oh, is this what people are going to go see? And so they started cranking Classic. these out uh, faster and faster and faster to the point where instead of creating new ideals for uh, the target audience, they started reinforcing stereotypes. Mm. And so that's where you have, a lot of the, and again, I'm using this in the terms of the language, not as in a in a derogatory way, but that's where you get a lot of the jive talk mm-hmm. starts to pop up, and that's where you start to see uh, comedic portrayals of black inner city um, uh, men mm-hmm. and women too. Uh, w- um, I think the 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 greatest example of how far black exploitation went as far as creating negative stereotypes, at least during this time period is when you watch Starsky and Hutch and you're looking at a character like Huggy Bear. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be an example of they've really pushed this too far. And instead of trying to build up relations, build up the the viewership, they're really talking down to them and reinforcing stereotypes in these films. And that was the ultimate downfall of the black exploitation film by about 1978, because as you said, NAACP got involved and I forget what the other organizations uh, that got involved as well. But basically they said, hey, look, this is not doing our community any good. It's not doing anybody any bu- good except for the studios. They are exploiting us, obviously. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was like by 1978, 79, we kind of saw the end of what we typically define the black exploitation uh, genre. Mm-hmm. Although there are, as we'll see in the movie that we'll watch next week, 
there are other movies that have parodied it or tried to jump on the on the uh, um, bandwagon right. and some that, you know, even now when you look at. Um, um, oh, what's the what's the not, I'm not thinking of Superfly TNT, but in the. Jackie Brown's a good example. Pootie Tang is what I'm thinking. Oh, of. yeah. That's a that's an example of a modern black exploitation movie in which they're just really making fun of the the genre, mm-hmm. but they're doing it in a way that, again, is reinforcing the whole point of what the black exploitation films were. Yeah, it was really interesting when I did read a little bit about it, how quickly that cycle of it went from uh, like legit genre right. into parody, right. into like gone really fast. Like it was a really tight cycle, it seemed. And, it, and right. obviously probably. Well, and that's because, because and that's what because they did to it. Depending on how they're looking at it, yeah. black exploitation films include a bunch of subgenre stuff, which, you know, fractures kind of your overall uh, view of it. Oh, so sure. you have things like crime, which includes your Foxy Brown uh, type movies. Then mm-hmm. you have your martial arts stuff, which was really big at this time because Bruce Lee was. Uh, Still around at this time, it was before his death. So the marriage of um, uh, the black film and the martial arts film together made for some really powerful, interesting storytelling. Yeah. Uh, There you had Westerns, you had horror, you had comedy, you had uh, nostalgic films. Um, You know, one of my favorite films um, as a kid that I used to watch with my parents was Uptown Saturday Night with Sidney Poitier and uh, Bill Cosby in it. Really great film about these guys that are trying to turn these er, uh, these uh, inner city kids around. Mm -hmm. And um, and it's just it's a great film. So there's all these that are out there. But unfortunately, when you flood the market with a product, it doesn't matter what that product is. It waters down the main goal of what you're trying to get out. Mm -hmm. So. Again, the NAACP and others uh, get involved and uh, the the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, That's the National course, Urban yeah. League uh, Coalition. There was actually they formed the coalition against black exploitation. Mm-hmm. And by uh, they basically said, this is not what we want. And I guess Hollywood listened. Crazy. Yeah. Um, and uh, so they the, it slowly started to fade out. And I, but I still argue that you can still find plenty of examples of that still around mm-hmm. today. I was impressed that the genre decided it was even worth continuing after the first film because the first black exploitation film i believe has the greatest movie title ever i don't know how anyone <laughs> ever decided oh we should really jump on that the first one credited for black exploitation's film mm-hmm. movie's title is sweet sweet backs bad ass song yeah bad with ass, about bad five ass s's song. yeah it's the yeah. greatest movie title ever I don't know why they continued after that. So one of the interesting things that we see in the the black exploitation genre is the um, um, use of the the funk and soul music in the soundtrack. So yep. usually, if you hear that, you know that that could be a trigger. Um, and the fact that you have a predominantly uh, black um, cast. And mm-hmm. what's really cool about Shaft, and this is why I wanted you to take a look at Shaft this week, is because this is the first time that we saw an actor, Richard Roundtree, being cast in a, a lead role. Right. And I think this is a, a huge thing, even though Richard Roundtree had been involved in a bunch of other commercial work, uh, small film work, and other film work, he was not the lead in the piece. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what, why this is so interesting, even though it came out in 1971. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and we're talking now with what's going on at the Academy and what's going on in the Emmys and everything about representation. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, we're less than 40 years away from, you know, Richard Roundtree being featured in a major Hollywood feature as the lead. Mm-hmm. 
I think that's kind of important. Yeah, it's such an interesting thing because you're looking at um, how long movies have been around. It's not mm-hmm. that it was the first black lead ever. Mm-hmm. It was no, no, it was it was the, the, a, a major, major studio, studio yeah. and that it then, then had to take uh, you know a form of a really uh, low budget movie mm-hmm. that um, incredibly ended up essentially saving MGM yeah. from the sounds of the, the history of that and shaft of MGM is on the brink of just going out of business as they have many times. And they like give, I've seen different reports either somewhere between half a million to a million dollars to make shaft. Mm-hmm. And then it just goes and destroys mm-hmm. the box office and brings Again, anywhere I mean, in that, somewhere I mean, between like seven million to ten million. Range. We see this a lot, right? I yeah. mean, even even we look ahead a few more years to Star Wars, where it's like the studios didn't want to give mm-hmm. as much money as they wanted to, and they got a huge reward at the end. And so that's one of the nice things about movies like we saw uh, Dope, mm-hmm. um, where it's a super small, limited budget, but it does extremely well. It gets a lot of attention and kind of changes the way filmmakers are are moving ahead. In fact, we've seen isn't uh, the guy the director of Dope? He's doing the upcoming Flash movie, I believe. Something like that. Yeah, so, you know, these are really great stepping stones and the reason why you want to watch smaller films like this. Um, So Gordon Parks, who is the director of um, Shaft, Mm -hmm. in in regards to what uh, Shaft did to blue exploitation films, he says, black exploitation films from Shaft onward were largely defined by a relatively greater degree of corporate control and a relatively lesser degree of autonomy on the part of the filmmaker. Uh, this film was created less to Im- uh, impact black consciousness and more to simply show a fun film which people could attend on a Saturday night and see a black guy winning. It was intentionally created to appeal to a black urban audience along with the uh, contigu- contiguous uh, white youths. Mm-hmm. And that's what he had said in some interviews uh, back in the day. Uh, I was really happy to read a little bit about um, Gordon Roger in that, or Gordon, Gordon Parks, Parks, sorry, mm-hmm. yeah, that uh, his first film is called The Learning Tree, mm-hmm. and it is actually based in Kansas, based mm-hmm. off of a little bit of his life and his uh, autobiography that he wrote, because uh, Gordon Parks is actually from Scott, uh, Fort Scott, Kansas. There you go. Hey, Kansas, Kansas we did it. <laughs> we have a director. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, so that was that was uh, actually kind of one of, and that was also his first film, got accepted into the Congressional Library mm-hmm. for, the, for the film registry, so... Mm-hmm. Um, good on you, Gordon Parks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's really great. I mean, you could go and read uh, a couple of biographies of, uh, of Gordon Parks that are out there, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good, and it's inter- interesting, especially by the time Shaft rolls around, he's a much older person than the, um, photojournalist that he was in his prime in the 1940s. <laughs> I mean, he's a much older man, but, um, I don't know where you watch Shaft. I watched it on iTunes and there's like iTunes. a, there's like a 10 minute, like it's called the making of, uh, and it's really oh, like, really? It's really like 10 minutes of Gordon Parks um, kind of a little bit of talking about who Shaft is, but then it's, you see some behind the scenes stuff of the shootout that goes on in the stairwell early on in the film. And so you see some behind the scenes of that you see him directing and trying to direct these young actors. Then you see him directing the barroom scene where they're getting smashed over the head with the beer <laughs> yeah, bottle. Love it. Then you see him sitting with um, uh, Isaac Hayes as they're talking about, Oh, let's, you know, let's play this song. And then the, course the whole band is in this little tiny room they all start playing the shaft <laughs> theme song and then you see him in the editing room and um and uh and you know just looking at a couple of scenes and how they're cut together and talking with with the editor of this so it's um um the editor of hugh robertson 
who, if I'm not mistaken, um, was the editor of Midnight Cowboy. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Hugh A. Robertson. Um, yeah, so Shaft as a whole mm-hmm. kind of plays like a general detective story. Well, and a, a private again, a private eye type story. It is based on the Ernest Tildeman or Tiddeman books. Mm-hmm. Um uh, also by John D.F. Black. Um and so it's an adaptation. Okay. But my understanding is in the books, um John Shaft is a white detective mm-hmm. that has good relations in both parts of the community. And so that's how he's able to navigate uh, both the white areas and the black areas with ease. And Gordon Park said, hey, if we're going to make this, let's cast a black actor to play John Shaft. And ever since then, uh, the character has been has been black. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so really, if you've seen really any type of private eye detective film, this kind of works that same, especially if you look at a, anything in, in that genre from the 70s, it plays very... Similarly to that, where you have, uh, you know, Shaft walking the streets a lot, talking to his his folks, trying to hunt down leads, mm-hmm. um, you know, being being sly with his witty remarks to his his cops that he's friends with, mm-hmm. but you know, uh, wrestles them up a little bit just because he doesn't doesn't he's not really one of them, you know, he works on his own, right? Um, he's down with the ladies, yeah, he he's is. always talking about how he's about to go get laid, mm-hmm. and um ultimately kind of wins in the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and we see that, right? Yeah. Where we see these are what someone assumes that the ideals of a young black man are in the seventies. <laughs> yeah. He's sexing it up. Yeah. He doesn't take sass from the white man. No. He's aggressive. Yeah. He'll, you know, just as, as the theme song says, you know, who's the black private dick. That's a, that's a hit with all the chicks. Right? Oh, is that what the yeah. theme song? Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> I was just fucking on the. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's great. If you, yeah. uh, you should listen to that again and again and again. So the, the, the main crux of the story is that Shaft is hired by um, one of the gang leaders in Harlem. Mm-hmm. His daughter has been kidnapped yep. by the, an Italian mob because some shenanigans are going on. Yeah. And the problem is if Shaft can't get Bumpy, the, the Harlem uh, gang leader's daughter back, it's going to erupt into a race war. And that's what the cops are worried about. And so mm-hmm. Shaft is in this middle of you know, what am I going to do? I've got to do what's good for my community, but I also can't let a race war break out in Mm. New York because that'd be bad for everybody. And so, you know, he follows the leads, finds out where she's at, and there's a lot of gunfights and a lot of dead bodies. And uh, in the end, Shaft wins. Yeah. And then he goes on to do, I think, five more films. Yeah, there's like, well, I was confused because I was buying it on iTunes and I saw a film that came out. Shaft in Africa. Oh, is that what it, I thought it said Shaft in America? And that's why well, I was I really think it's confused. Shaft in Africa. Yeah, that would make way more sense because yeah. it's like, why is it called Shaft in America? Is this first one not in know. America? No, the next film the next year was Shaft's Big Score. Then you had Shaft in Africa in 1973. Oh, uh, okay. And then you had the 2000 version of Shaft with Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was a TV series. Also, if you look on your iTunes, I didn't have a chance to watch this. But if you look on the version of iTunes, I don't know if you rent it or bought it. But there, I, I didn't even know this, that there was a Shaft television series and they have one of those episodes included in your iTunes bonuses. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't check into this farther, but they said there is a remake in Shaft in the works. That was as of 2015. Mm-hmm. There wasn't any update in in the Wikipedia mm-hmm. about that. So that might be dead. That might be alive. I guess we'll find out. Uh, if it's uh, 15... 
if it's 15 and that's when they're putting it together or when they're moving forward, yeah, they probably wouldn't even have a script ready and be able to look for people until 16. So, you know, they could still, they could still be uh, doing that. So I want to know what your overall impressions of Shaft were, because this is again, a film that came out in 71 really early. It's not your contemporary films that we've watched. I mean, we saw what happened with the uh, something of 69 series. Yeah. So this is just a couple of years afterwards. Yeah. And I want to know what your overall impression is of this movie. I thought Shaft was incredibly boring. Really? Why? Yeah. Oh, my God. It was so slow. I ended up rewatching it again over lunch, and mm-hmm. I rewatched it in my lunch period because I fast-forwarded through a lot. And the movie is great if you can watch it in about 15 minutes. Like, it's wonderful. Yeah. But besides that, I mean, it is a lot of just walking and really slow paced conversation mm-hmm. and then more walking and then oh yeah some like, of the acting in this is really bad oh like, yeah the in the back where, the acting is not good where they're in the um uh the coffee shop when he's waiting for the italian mobster oh, to come yeah. meet him and the waitress no. is just like yeah the you know just really bad bad acting. yeah there is one scene that i really enjoyed and i thought was really well done and that's when he is in the bar mm-hmm. and like getting the two mob right, guys right. arrested. I thought that scene worked yeah, really, really, nice really well. Mm-hmm. I thought everything else was just I think it I think it can not be great. I think it can come off as boring, but you have to think that in a detective you have in a detective story, and again, I've said this before, why detective movies uh don't work as well today is you have to see them doing the footwork. Yeah. There's a part where uh Shaft is going to look for what's his name, Ben. I think is the uh, the character's yeah. name, uh, the member of the uh, black, uh, not Black Panthers. I forget what they're called in this in this movie. Um, but he has to do a lot of walking around mm-hmm. uh, to find these people. It also gives you a chance to listen to some funky music. Yeah, absolutely. The music was was good. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just. It's only a hundred uh, uh, minutes. I it, mean, it's, it's that's like what, a, it's a know, 90 minute film. That's what I thought going into my, Oh great. We're, I'm just going to, we're going to breeze right through this, man. This is not a long movie at all. And then it, it felt like three hours. Shaft has a, has a woman that he gets to make love to two women. Well, the other one he picks up at a bar because you know, the first one's his girlfriend, right? Oh, well he, he makes love to that house. second one. And then, uh, in the bar sequence, there's another woman, Linda, yeah. uh, that uh, wants to get to know him and he takes her back to her place and, she just can't wait to get in the shower with him. So. Yeah, and then later yeah. he's like, "You're great in this sack, but you're yeah, horrible. But you're horrible after." Yeah, yeah. Like, oh. he's Time like, "Whatever, I'm on the phone. Please go away." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I just I found um, it to be interesting. Right. I was happy to watch uh, a detective movie again. Mm-hmm. I was incredibly happy to watch a film where they're discovering what a zoom lens is mm-hmm. as we zoom in on everything mm-hmm. and every person. Uh, I was really happy to watch that again because mm-hmm. we I haven't we haven't seen a movie that just abuses zooms for a while. Right, right. Um, but besides that, man, it was it was really a, a movie that if they could even take twenty minutes out of it, like really just a tight like where would you 80, take where would you take twenty minutes out? Of I mean, I would take five minutes out of so many different like that last scene as they like just like go after the guy it was so long yeah it was so long and like only like four people ended up dying but there was like 20 guys that had to get suited up and they all had to have ropes and hoses and jump through a window and it was just like it was too much it's a build up of the suspense right yeah but if it's so boring the other other thing too and i think that this is part of it because i wasn't bored well there may have been there may have been one scene uh just be certainly the coffee shop scene but the scene right before the bar 
Um, I think you could have cut some more of that stuff out. I, I agree with you. There's probably five or 10 minutes you could have cut. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't bored because, again, this is something that's 1971 done on a super low budget. Yeah. And is shot on location in New York. Yeah, that was also great. I was really happy to see how far New York has come as a city. Because oh, yeah. every time we watch well, a movie we're talking from about the 71. 60s, the 70s, like, wow, this, this, is, this city is garbage. Yeah, if you look, uh, New York, I think, was the murder capital of the world during this time. Um, let me see. Myrtle, murder capital yeah, of the world. I, I mean, you see, you I mean, see, Shaft, a, you a, see Shaft walking place. around and it's just dirty and everyone looks really sad and mm-hmm. everything's gray and... Uh, everyone's like, why did we come to America? This, this city is garbage. Um, and that, you know, that turned around and New York's great has its flaws as Mel city does, but it's just really interesting to see, uh, the shift of New York city through film because it is this place of, you know, it is this place of opportunity, but it's also, um, in this type is a, it is a city that is not welcoming, and yeah. is dangerous, and it, it just looks incredibly dirty. If you look in 1971, population in New York, 18 million people, uh, there were 1,800 murders. So about 1% of the uh, population was murdered. Is that right? 1%? <laughs> One, two. No, it'd be yeah. about 0.01% yeah. uh, of the population was murdered in that year. 72 to over 2,000 murders. So, Great. I mean, we're talking about... Three or four homicides. These are murders, not just murders. people dying. No, no, no. no. Uh, these are people being murdered per day. Yeah. Right? Uh, I mean, so that's a it lot. was it was not a good time. And this is why. Um, so there are a couple of things. Uh, Shaft has gone on to be just it, its own big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Dynamite Entertainment, which is a comic book publisher, they had a series of Shaft comic books mm-hmm. uh, that come out that came out uh, not too long ago. Cool. And the first uh, the first arc that they did of that is really fascinating because it again. Involves some of the characters that we've seen in this movie, but mainly Shaft as he's, he comes to find out that there's a bunch of weird land deals going on so people can buy the land to build the World Trade Center on the, mm. on the cheap. Okay. And it's a fascinating uh, story to read because mm-hmm. a lot of it is based on, on facts. And if you haven't had a chance to see what is the Baz Luhrmann uh, Netflix series, the Get Down, the, the, the get down. Mm-hmm. if you haven't seen that, it also takes place in and around this same area when uh, uh, housing developers, uh, uh, property owners were trying to just get anything out of their business, uh, out of their buildings, out of their uh, tenements and, and apartment buildings and whatever, to where they would just burn the building down for the insurance money. Mm-hmm. So it is a very interesting time. I mean, I would never go to New York. Uh, in this time period, apparently, though, I did as a young child. My parents took me there. Congrats. Thanks, mom and dad. Um, but um, you could have been a Marvel character almost. I could have been a Marvel Man, character almost. If only they would have been murdered. But I mean, when you start to see the switch in power to uh, now, I forget the uh, the mayor's name after uh, that took place in the seventy. He's really he's the one that really cleaned up. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Koch, uh, uh, Ed Koch, uh, he really cleaned it up and turned uh, um, Times Square from you know a den of prostitutes and uh, uh, strip clubs and everything to the marketplace that it is today of mm-hmm. where people actually want to go. So that's the other kind of neat thing about this is that time capsule aspect mm-hmm. of being able to see New York City in 1971 and shooting in Harlem. Yeah. Uh, at the time was something that I think is, is really kind of cool. And it did really define uh, a film genre. I mean, it really 
set it up and, and told people this is what we can do with film mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to have a white star in order to make money. I mean, the budget of this thing was $500,000 and made $13 million yeah. in one year. So that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. There's so much that is good about Shaft outside of the movie, like what it did mm-hmm. for genre, how it gave, you know, black actors, black directors more opportunity to make films in the future. You know, it saved a company. It, you know, it, it did all these things, it had a great, uh, Oscar-winning soundtrack by mm-hmm. Isaac Hayes. Uh, there's a lot of stuff and gr- great, great stuff all around. Mm-hmm. But it was just I, I, I couldn't really get super attached to the film, and I didn't think the action was. Again, I, I have to give it. You know, you have to, yeah, yeah. you have to shift your your idea of what right. action is back into the 70s. But even when you look. At stuff we saw in '69, mm-hmm. I think that action. But again, was, the bigger was budget. Really good. Bigger budget. Yeah, yeah, you're right. What, well, it wasn't. Um, I mean, if you look at, um, what uh, I'm thinking of the Wild Bunch. Uh, yeah, if what, you're looking was that at a, was that a pretty big budget. I would imagine it's yeah. more than a half a million dollars. Yeah, probably. I mean, it's probably three or four million dollars. Yeah. So you're looking at something. I mean, this is literally, hey, here's some money. Go yeah. do something with it. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think what, what they were able to do with it is mm-hmm. pretty impressive. And this is at a time where you're seeing, uh, squibs still being used for gunshots and everything mm-hmm. and sugar glass and all that, uh, for some of the action sequences. Yeah. Some of it's going to look cheesy, but again, in 1971, this would have been something that was like, wow, that's kind of neat and impressive. It, it, it's not even the cheese factor. It was just the pacing and shot selection and mm-hmm. editing of action scenes um, I didn't think did great. I like the use of the giant fire hose in the end. I'm like that <laughs> yeah. would really hurt. I'm like, yeah, get away from me with that thing. Um, but there was just um, to, for me, it was just too slow. Um, a lot of 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 just cityscape walking mm-hmm. that uh just didn't do it for me this time around. Um, there, I mean, there's still some really cool stuff about it that I enjoyed. I you know I really liked the portrayal of bumpy yeah because i thought that was an interesting especially the first time we see him is when he comes into shaft's office and he's kind of laying out well because he's already the, the sent two thugs after shaft and right. shaft is, didn't throw one out the window but is pretty close to he throwing went, him out, went the, out window. the window right and so bumpy comes and he pretty much lays out the story for what we're gonna watch about his daughter being kidnapped and mm-hmm. the mob and everything um I, I thought that was an interesting character portrayal as this this he's a he's a very i mean he's a pretty large dude and uh, worried about his daughter, and he gets very emotional. Which is mm-hmm. not something that I expected to see from you know this big, powerful um, a gang gang leader. That I, I thought was really interesting, character wise, and in how they made him like that. You don't really see that in the rest of the film because I believe they go back to like his office mm-hmm. again later, and he's you know kind of more stern. Maybe it's because he's on his his turf and things like that. Right. But um, when you first see him with Shaft, he is pretty vulnerable and is like, "Hey, man." Here's some money. That'll get you started. Like, go find my daughter because mm-hmm. that's what really matters to mm-hmm. me. Which I thought that was an interesting uh, character thing. Um, to me, the, the a lot of the actual police officers seemed like odd characters, stereotypes of, as well. Yeah. yeah, stereotypes upon stereotypes. And yeah. again, as we said, that's kind of the biggest problem with this. Instead of trying to break new ground, mm-hmm. it's just reinforcing stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Did you ever watch the Samuel L. Jackson remake? I did. How was that? Uh, I will honestly say I like this one better. Okay. Than, wow. the, than the remake. What was it? I mean, was it just like a modern type of, kind of action yeah. film? Yeah. It's basically, basically it was the modern version of Shaft. Yeah. With Samuel L. Jackson as Shaft 2. 
okay. as uh, John Shaft II. <laughs> uh, and Richard Roundtree does make an appearance in, in that movie. So, oh, really? Yeah, it's it's kind of a, I, I forget what the plot was. I believe it was a missing girl or a girl who had to go to court to testify against somebody and Shaft had to protect her. And I, I forget what, what went on uh, okay. throughout the whole thing. It's been a while since, because that movie came out in 2000. Right. I want to say, mm-hmm. yeah. So I remember seeing it just as a, on a lark and- I just thought it was okay. And you're right. You know, this movie isn't fantastic. I mean, it's not you from the technical side, from what it's trying to do. It's not a fantastic film. Uh, when you look and see what uh, Clayton Riley had said of the movie in, in 1971, he said it's mediocre is the only word that describes the work of Gordon Parks, director of this nonsense. Ouch. Inept and it's uh, inept is the kindest thing to say about the performances of both Richard Roundtree as John Shaft, a black private eye on the prowl for kicks in the Big Apple underworld. So yeah, he didn't have a lot of nice things to say about the movie either. Yeah, so. that's, that's pretty harsh. But I think when I think though when you when you look at where does this fit in the grand scheme of all films, mm-hmm. you could look at a bunch of other films that came out in 1971. This one will still be remembered today by more people than a lot of those other films that came out in 1971. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely an important film. Um out even outside of uh, what it actually accomplished on screen, mm-hmm. you know, just for cultural reasons and, you know, uh, film industry reasons. It's a mm-hmm. really important film. And even obviously it's box box office success is going to make a film rememberable because, you know, a lot of people have seen it. Although now that I'm looking at all the films from 1971, it's like, uh, maybe I spoke oh, okay. a little <laughs> too soon because we have Andromeda Strain comes out that year. Uh, the Barefoot Executive from Disney comes out that year. Bedknobs and Broomsticks comes out that year. Uh, Billy Jack comes out that year. And that's just in the A's and the B's. Uh, so, yeah, there were a lot of films that, that came out this that year. Dirty Harry came out that year, which Ooh. we watched. No. Didn't we watch that one? Didn't no. I watch Dirty Harry? No. I swore we watched Dirty Harry. No, we watched, I mean, we watched Good, Bad, and the Ugly and other We've never watched for... Dirty Harry. Uh-uh. All right. Yeah. We'll have to correct that. Somewhere down the line, we'll watch another Western is no, that a western? No, it's a Dirty Harry Cop in San Francisco. Oh. I could have swore we watched Dirty Harry. No, we definitely didn't, though. Okay. All yeah. right. Okay, well, we'll watch that. Not next week, though. No. But we'll watch it. Oh, uh, what other... I mean, actually, as... I mean, I guess those aren't all the films from 1971. Oh, no, no, But no. I've... I mean, I have heard of Shaft. Right. Like, I knew... I, I, I probably could have... If I saw... If you showed me a, a bunch of posters from 1971 and said, pick out Shaft, it probably would have been pretty easy... Um, but it is definitely a, uh, an idea or a name that's in pop culture mm-hmm. enough that I actually knew what it was mm-hmm. in theory, uh, of what Shaft was. So, I mean, there, it's definitely still relevant, I guess would be the word to say of what Shaft is mm-hmm. in culture right now. Now, have you had a chance to watch Luke Cage? The Netflix TV series? Yeah. No. But I've, I've heard good things. Well, and the reason why I kind of, I thought maybe you had, because some of the themes that we see going on, and again, some, I see some of the things that Luke Cage are try, is trying to do, mm-hmm. make commentary on what the role of the modern black man is in his community, in his society, mm-hmm. um, expectations uh, forced upon him, uh, the way the community treats uh, the, the young black man. Mm-hmm. All those things are in Luke Cage. Which remind me of a lot of things that we see or what were the attempts were to be made in black exploitation films. So for okay. me, when I see uh, Luke Cage, I see all the positive things 
that the black exploitation genre was supposed to be trying to do mm. um, as a pl- as opposed to just, hey, let's take money from this demographic that we haven't typically gotten money from before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I see these themes running in Luke Cage that I feel were somewhat similar in Shaft. Is, is that a character trait that you see from Luke Cage inside the comics from Marvel? I don't know. Oh. I don't read it enough to, it, to tell what you. What about when he, I don't know when Luke Cage started as a in character. The 70s. Was it around yeah. this same time now? Yeah, yeah. 60s and 70s, yeah, yeah. 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 So, um... It, I mean, and, but no, Luke Cage in the 70s would yeah. have been the same way as what you would see a little bit of uh, Shaft in there as well. Okay. You know, the sass talk, the, you know, being put down by the man, always trying to fight for his rights, those oh, kinds wait, of things. Oh, wait, I've read some Luke Cage back from the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it definitely has that vibe mm-hmm. of what... 72. ...came yeah. out from exploitation films mm-hmm. of what he was so um i mean so do you recommend if luke cage for people the netflix it, series yeah, yeah i yeah, think yeah. It's, i think it's good i think that i think there are certain people that will complain about this movie and i'll be completely honest i have seen people on twitter say hey there's too many black people in this <laughs> tv show and it's like well are you thinking about where this story takes place and who it's about and whatnot mm-hmm. um uh, but i think it's i think it's really interesting i think it's really we had a big, long discussion on the Major Spoilers podcast, uh, one of the bonus episodes where we were talking about, you know, if a villain is trying to do something for the good of his or her community, but they're doing it via illegal means, does that make you more or less sympathetic for the villain? And I mm-hmm. think that there are times when you look and see what all of the characters in Luke Cage are doing, you can see how they're trying to help and better their community mm-hmm. Each one is doing it in a different way. But the idea is, hey, we need to build up our community. We need to be stronger as a community. And when we stop doing these, when we stop killing each other and when we stop getting cops from killing us and doing all these things, our community is stronger. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's, you know, that's an overall powerful mission, message in there. But I know a lot of people won't care about that message. They just want to see sweet Christmas and a lot of fighting. And there's a lot of that in Luke Cage, too. Right. So I think I think that you'll I think that you will enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, if you enjoyed. Um, did you enjoy Daredevil? I have actually never watched a Netflix. Oh, I'm Netflix. I'm okay. like I'm. I I don't watch that many things. You should. You should. Watch. I, know. I think I've, I think I've heard more good things a, about Luke Cage than any of now the Now that you stuff. have seen Shaft, I think you will appreciate Luke Cage. Okay. Yeah, I really do. I really do. Now, unfortunately, as I said, uh, Shaft had some serious repercussions in the film industry and in the black exploitation films. Mm-hmm. In that, now we have to make these movies starring black actors and black actresses. And eventually it all devolves into stereotype. What does that do to real black actors who are trying to get their foot in the door in Hollywood? And so next week there's, it's kind of a, it's not really, it is making fun of black exploitation, mm-hmm. um, but it is the Hollywood shuffle. Okay. And we've talked about it a little bit before. It is, um, oh, and now I forgot his name off the top of my head. Uh, Richard Pryor. No, 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 no. Dang it. I was just going for anyone. Uh, Townsend, is that his name? Yeah, yeah. Robert Townsend. That's who it is. Robert Townsend um, is a young actor who is trying to make it in Hollywood as as uh, as a big star, trying to get his foot in the door. Mm-hmm. But every time he tries out for something, it is he sees it as just reinforcing all of the stereotypes that he knows is is bad for his community. Mm-hmm. And but they do it in kind of a very tongue in cheek funny way. It was a very powerful movie to come out in 19 I want to say 81 is when that movie came out. 87, 87. sorry. Um 
because it it really kind of opened the doors for a lot of people to say, oh, look, well, these, you know, there's some really good actors and actresses and what's going on with representation in Hollywood and those kinds of things. So I know we're talking a lot about it today in, in modern times, but even in 87, we see a lot of this going on. And I think Hollywood mm-hmm. Shuffle is a really good movie that you will enjoy uh, a great deal. So we're going to oh, take good. a look at that next week on Zach on film. It's, uh, I just want to say, it's still so crazy to me that, you know, you look at this and how it started to open up, you know, actors of color mm-hmm. it, for different roles mm-hmm. and how like still that that's almost, that's, you know, in a couple months, that's 20 years ago yeah, yeah. and how super relevant that conversation still is today. Um, especially that's when you look like at almost 30 years ago, not 20 years. Oh ago, yeah. 30. 30. My ago. math is yeah. horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How, how common that conversation is mm-hmm. all the time. I mean, you have like Aziz on story gets on stage when he wins an Emmy for his show. It's like, Hey, thanks white dudes for write, writing super, uh, stereotypical Asian. performance. Right. So I could do this one thing and everyone right. thinks it's groundbreaking. Right, right, right. And so that's the, that's what, um, uh, Robert Townsend's character, uh, Bobby Taylor has to kind of ask himself as he's going through all these auditions and, and seeing the racial stereotyping mm-hmm. in Hollywood is he's like, what am I willing to do to get to this end? And if you want to see even a more modern take on this, uh, have you ever watched this? Uh, again, it's a Netflix series called black mirror. Uh, no, I've actually been meaning to again and not watching. So wanting to, it's the, it's getting a lot of attention right now because of season three yeah. and some of the topics that are covered in the first episode. But I went back to season one when it was still a, a BBC production mm-hmm. and there's only three episodes in that season. The third episode in that, uh, is what would you do for fame? Mm. And it's played out there. And interestingly, the central character is a young black man who has to decide what am I willing to do to get the message out or fame celebrity. I mean, you can read it in a lot of different ways, mm-hmm. but you, you get to see whether will this character sell out or not sell out. And mm-hmm. that's kind of a, a big deal. Interesting. So it's, a, it's a topic that will continue to go on and on and on yeah. and on. Yeah. I, I think probably for another Forever. 20, 30 years, but we'll talk about that more next <laughs> yeah. week when we take a look at Hollywood shuffle. And it's a comedy. So that's it a is new, a comedy. Uh, yeah. I, I switch up. Be, be aware though, Zach. Yeah. You will feel super uncomfortable with this because there are a lot of racial slurs in this movie. Okay. Um, Yeah. So I'm just giving you a heads up right there. I mean, think of think of the worst uh, racial stereotypes, and then Townsend turns it up to eleven. Oh, all right. For impact, for for purpose, to smack people in the face and say, "Hey, yo, this is what's going on." So, all right, be aware that. uh, a lot of racial slurs. Oh, that sounds yeah. like a, a great topic for next week mm-hmm. on Zach on Film. In the meantime, everyone, you need to do this right now. Head over to Majorspoilers.com. You can find this podcast posting page. Give your thoughts on Shaft and uh, <laughs> any of the conversations we had and get ready for next week as we take a look at Hollywood Shuffle. While you're there, click on that Amazon.com button over the right side of the page. It'll take you straight to Amazon where you can do all of your great Amazon shopping. Um, probably can buy Shaft on Blu-ray if, if you want to watch it. It's not going to cost you any extra when you do that, but a little bit of that money will come back to Major Spoilers to help keep shows like this and so many more coming into your podcast listening device week after week after week. And, you know, you may not even be buying anything from Amazon, but maybe you have a couple of uh, dollars that uh, you just have uh, jingling loose in your pocket every Mm -hmm. month. You can also uh, donate those to Major Spoilers by becoming a Major Spoilers Patreon at patreon.com slash Major Spoilers. Every little bit helps, like I said, as little as $2 a month helps keeps the, keep the light on and keep the servers running. we got to keep those squirrels fed so they can spin the cage and turn the the, the generators. Absolutely. Uh, so head over to patreon.com slash major spoilers. And we'll see you next week on Zach on Film.
This podcast is copyright 2016 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.